believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. Because my children are coming. Never say never to always. I'll never say always to none. To seem is to dream a dream. I love Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You know, if I wanted to kill somebody, I'd take this book and beat you to death with it, and I wouldn't feel a thing. It'd be just like walking to the drugstore. It's time to call time from behind you. If you know this man has been just a dream. Valley of death and I, I <laughs> All right, and now we can get started. <laughs> oh man, were you recording that? Yeah, we recorded that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Oh god. We are back, Charlie Manson's fanny pack trio: Richard, Jessica, Storm. Right on. Right, left. <laughs> I don't know. Anyhow. Anyhow. Um, so we're finally going to get back to Charles Manson. After how long? <sighs> Fucking forever. There's a storm. Sorry. You've been waiting on you, kid. <laughs> I know, I'm dying. I made it very clear on the car right here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times it's like, a storm coming over this weekend? You're like, I don't know. Storm's had a very busy couple, past couple months. That's fair. You're a whole ass person, so whatever. <laughs> you live your life. I mean... That's why that's what me and him had plans like a month or two in advance. <laughs> going on vacation. Vacation. We're going on vacation. Vacation. I ever wanted. Vacation. Have to get away. Vacation meant to be spent alone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that got really oh, dark. God, really sorry, fast. Started out weird. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know who else started out weird? You. Charles Manson. Also, yes. <laughs> um, where did we leave off, Storm? Why are you asking me? Because you're supposed to keep track of these things. I don't know what you expect me to do. I just, I just live here. I here one day. Um, <laughs> same thought. No one but me <laughs> I remembers do. where the story left off. No. Nope. We're just along for the ride, man. All right, well. I don't know how I got into Charles this Manson was an American criminal and musician who had the Manson family. A cult bait. We're just going to start over. Based <laughs> no, in the 1960s. We're not. <laughs> uh, see, he was born November 12th, 1934, um, to a 15 year old chick who traded him for a uh, pitcher of beer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he went to a bunch of prison. Remember that. He did a lot of, a lot of prison sex. Yes. Mhm. And I think that's where we stopped. I think so. I don't remember anything else. Oh, I really don't. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Do you have one? No. Then it don't matter. <laughs> All right. So. I was just fine trying to fill the dead air <laughs> with yeah. my soul. Um, 
He got he, he got five years of parole because he was last we left off he was in prison I believe and he was getting ready to get out of prison and get on the scene of San Francisco and what have you right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was getting ready to hit yeah, the hippie scene. Yeah, because we haven't hit like the um, main family yet. Yeah. Um, he during this little interim period he got five years parole, uh, and the girl who he had been uh, he had hooked up with before his during his last parole. Um, Got divorced. He got she divorced him. Uh, he, he's on parole now. He's pimping out a sixteen-year-old girl. Oh yeah. And he's, addition, he's receiving additional support from a girl with wealthy parents. Uh, You're he, like we just like you, Charlie. Yep, yep, yep. Um, he took this girl and another woman to New Mexico for prostitution, resulting in him being held and questioned for ca- for violating the Man Act. Basically, he crossed state lines to commit a crime. Um, yeah. yeah, so they basically end up finally getting federal prison for that. Uh, the man charged, they ended up char- dropping the Man Act charge, but because he had attempted to cash a treasury check, he got sent to prison. Um, he was sent a second time to Terminal Island to get ready for his early release in June 1966. And on the day he was he was released on March twenty first, nineteen sixty seven, he has spent more than half of his thirty two years of life in prison and other institutions. So he literally was just raised by the prison system. Yeah, yeah. Um, he 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 told oh, them he actually told them you know if, if prison was his home he wanted to stay in prison but they were like no nah. we can't let you stay yeah so. That, that being said, if he would have just stayed in prison, like we wouldn't be talking about him today. Yeah, yeah. Would it would have? Something like this might have happened, but it might have happened on a smaller scale. Would have never happened. He'd have been in prison. If he would have gotten out in his older years. Well, in his older years. The thing is, when he gets out. You know, he, he's getting out right there at the beginning of, like, the Summer of Love era. Yeah. Once that window passes, that's gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? The the days of that specific type of cult were over. He kind of killed it. <laughs> you know? <coughs> um, he's the reason there's no longer around. So, less than a month after his 1967 release from prison, uh, he moves to Berkeley, moved from Berkeley, California, to Los Angeles. Which could have been a probation violation, but um, he, he he called the probation offices when he got there, got transferred to a different uh, supervision, and was fine. They decided it was cool, um, which was kind of dumb. On You can't get away with that shit nowadays. Um, and until... Yeah, he was transferred to the supervision of criminology doctoral researcher and federal probation officer... Roger Smith. Um, up until 68, Smith had worked at the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic, which Manson and his family frequented throughout their stay in that area. Um, what do you know about Haight-Ashbury, Storm? Nothing. Jessica? Doesn't ring any bells. I know the name, but I don't know much about right, so the, the history of it. During, during the hippie era, there was this like one intersection that was like Haight and Ashbury. Yeah. Right? That's and it became like the epicenter for the hippie movement. 
That's pretty well how much I know. Um, it was it was ground zero for hippies. Alright. You know, wherever the, wherever the, the hippie asteroid came and impacted Earth, that was it. Hate asteroid. Um, That's a... Yeah. Yeah, Smith um, had been receiving funding from the National Institutes of Health and the CIA to study the effects of drugs like LSD, methamphetamine, and, and LSD and methamphetamine on the hippies. Uh, which was, you know, that was the place to do it. If you're going to test subject a bunch of hippies, that's where to go. Manson was his parolee and also his patient. When Manson would come by to get through, the, he had like a clinic there. And Manson would bring his girls in there to get checked out and cleaned up and shots or whatever. <laughs> like fucking cats? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. God. Yeah, so... He, uh, this was, it, this is where he most likely got involved in the MK Ultra projects, right? Yeah. Um, I this, like that. There's kind of no way around that. Yeah. This, the, Roger Smith was a CIA operative, kind of, that was yeah. feeding LSD. And, like, we never found acid. Like, Charlie always had acid. He made, always had it. Throughout the history of his the, the Manson family... He was doing all these shady drug deals to keep them in weed and coke and other stuff like that. But they always had acid. And Charlie was always the one divvying out the acid. So the whole, like, and he was being fed the acid, most people think, by Roger Smith. A and I CIA think that's it. That operative. makes a logical connection with yeah. MKUltra. Oh, man, MKUltra made a lot of killers. Yeah. Uh, the Unabomber. Yeah. That was MKUltra that made that happen. Um... Why are you looking at me like that, Storm? I don't know who that is. The Unabomber? No. Yeah, it was before your time. Uh, he was this genius. He was a mathematical genius. His name was Ted Kaczynski, right? Um, we'll end up doing an episode on him. Yeah. Uh, he was he was a math genius. And he was so smart, he ended up figuring out pretty much that the world was shit. And um, he went to, he built himself like this little hut in Montana and went off the grid and started sending bombs in the mail to, like, different people that were, like, technological centers and... He was doctors. hitting all those, the high profile. Yeah. He all was, right. made a lot of failed bombs. Like, he didn't kill people for, like, several bombs, but once he got it, he got it. Yeah, and they was. were manhunting the hell out of him. But, yeah, the Unabomber, that was MK Ultra. Um, 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 Whitey Bulger was MK Ultra. Uh, God, there were more. I can't remember them now. It's Anyhow. not something you think about. What, MKUltra? Yeah. I mean, it's just something, it, it, it's one of those things that once I learned about it, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. That, and it's that just a little <laughs> pocket of information that you have to kind of search for, I get it, in your brain. And a little tidbit of info. Yeah. And a little nugget of information. Um, oh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Um... The Roger Smith wrote that there was a change in Manson's personality during this time. He says it was, quote, the most abrupt I've ever observed in my entire pre- professional career. And just with that, just how you have someone who's consistently coming to you so you can observe them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. Um, so inspired by the burgeoning free love philosophy going on in Haight-Ashbury during the summer of love, uh, he began preaching, Manson began preaching his own philosophy based on a mixture of uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, a science fiction book by Robert Heinlein. Um, we'll do a little side, little side search here. We'll talk about it. 
I'm going to tell the story of Valentine Michael Smith. Fun fact, his first son, Charles Vance's first son, was named Valentine Michael, or Michael Valentine, but named after this. Um, a human who comes to Earth in early adulthood after being born on the planet Mars and raised by Martians. But Robert Highland, Stranger in a Strange Land, The Bible, Scientology, and The Beatles. That's <laughs> a lot of weird. Well, I mean... <laughs> Um, he also got a huge, a lot of influence in his philosophy from Dale Carnegie. Does that name ring a bell? The name, yeah. Uh, he is his most famous work was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Okay. It was like this self help book that kind of turned everybody into psychopaths, <laughs> like how to manipulate people. How to make everyone work for you? Yeah, how to make Not everyone basically. like people. Um, he gained his first follower at UC back in Berkeley, a librarian named Mary Bruner. Um, he had talked her into letting him crash her house for a few nights. That arrangement quickly became permanent. Um, they then met this runaway teen named Lynette Fromm, later known as Squeaky Fromm, um, and convinced her to live with him and Bruner. Manson began to soon track large crowds of listeners and dedicated followers. He had, uh, he would find, he would target individuals who were mostly secure, social outcasts, damaged goods. He would target Like us. Them. Like we would have. Yes. Like us. <laughs> we're, well, in the sense that we, we've had pasts. He targeted people that had, had like rough pasts yeah. or were going through like that weird yeah. phase with their parents. His, um. His 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 handler, uh, um, David Smith, claimed that Manson attempted to reprogram their minds to submit totally to his will through the use of LSD and unconventional sexual practices that would turn his followers into empty vessels that would accept anything he poured. Right, so basically brainwashed them with sex and acid. Yep. Yep. And also by giving them, like, love, attention, shit that they were, like, actually craving. Yeah. yeah. You know, they were kind of outcasts. They didn't feel like anybody loved, so they got this this cool little guy giving them drugs and attention. Literally cool little guy? Because yeah. <laughs> he was so short. He was just so small. He's a wee little fella. <laughs> <laughs> just standing on the corner spouting <coughs> his crazy. How tall was he? Five, like five, five, two. four, five, two, maybe. He's like taller than him. <laughs> Fucking Google it on your phone. <laughs> I forgot I had I have a Google machine. <laughs> I forgot its existence, okay? You were looking for it earlier today. I thought it after that. And then she forgot it again. <laughs> it tracks. She is your I child. kept making her Google stuff while we were watching Avatar. <laughs> she did. Jesus. Well, she'd ask a question, I'd be like, well... You're Google. supposed to know these things, Dad. My phone was busy. Yeah, playing the movie. <laughs> yeah. And Jessica was in the other room. So he she didn't, didn't have want, his other She phone. wouldn't play our little reindeer games anyway. What? You he was 5'2". 5'2"? Five five uh, yeah, so I was right. I was like, I think he'd he's 5'2". Didn't I say 5'2"? You, you said 5'4". Five five oh. Well, if he's wearing high heels. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I can't. <laughs> um 
Another family member, Paul Watkins, would testify later that Manson would encourage group LSD trips and take lower doses of stuff to keep his wits about him. Um, they say that this was manipulative, but it's not necessarily true. Um, when everybody in a group is on acid, it can lead to some problems, right? If everybody's out of their mind, it's kind of helpful to have yeah. somebody with their faculties. For instance, cooking dinner. Mm. <laughs> we have that problem a yeah. lot. <laughs> Sometimes I just I just let everybody else have fun. So I, <laughs> the dogs get fed and dinner gets made. And, and the house doesn't get burned down. The house doesn't get burned down. No cops are called. And then the like next that. day I make everybody else stay normal and I, I have fun. <laughs> but, you know, he would he would do lower doses. And, yeah, that does give you an upper an upper hand. And yeah. with, with Charlie's, you know, the way he is, yeah, that makes, that, that tracks, yeah. you know. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you know, but also with acid, it makes sense to have somebody who's on a slightly have, lower dose, if not completely sober. To have that safety safe is always good. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, they actually, oh, he would take less acid. It's like, that's not necessarily bad. Yeah, probably a um, good thing. Like, from a personal perspective, like, I become a potato, but I also... Potato. Yes. Hello, my name is Potato. Um, it's great to be here. But from a personal perspective, just like the most that I would be comfortable, like in public, having would be like four hits of acid, <laughs> like four hits that I'd be like, yeah, no, at home, it's still about the same, and I could still walk around, function, get myself water, go to the bathroom, and like. Tell whomever's there, like what? This is being long. I'm gonna go get some of that. Well, how about how about I can pause? All right. Yeah. So uh, now the storm has water. <laughs> it's like Dan when he lost his shirt. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> Wish I could whistle. We're whistling to "Time Suck." We're whistling. We were listening to "Time Suck." We went. Um, on our way to and from the beach yesterday, which is a very fun story. Um, but we listened to the episode that, uh, Dan took acid and was recording and like us being the people that we are, like we could tell when he was like devolving and like the trip was starting and he would just stop and be like, the screen's breathing. <laughs> and I'm just like, I know that feeling, man. He lost his Great. shirt. And he tried to whistle. He was like, he's like, look, I had it in my notes here that I needed to whistle. But I don't I, know how to... I can't I, remember how to whistle. I can't re- remember how to make my lips into a whistle. And then later, he was like, then he whistled to his boys. Boy, I wish I could whistle. <laughs> I want to listen to the ones, the one where he's on shrooms. Yeah, we'll do that. I think it's gonna be a. It's All right. Definitely gonna be a, a, not so intense. <laughs> Why did you change your glasses? She has like eight glasses. <laughs> I, I, I told her I have five. I chose to change because <laughs> I had another pair by the side of my bed, and I th- those were the ones that I grabbed. All right. Yeah. So. It's fun. <laughs> um, by the end of his stay in the Hyde Ashbury of in April 68, Manson had attracted about 20 followers, right? 
Um, all under the supervision of this parole officer. <laughs> we're going to watch this guy um, make The core parole. members, though, like his core members uh, included Charles Tex Watson, uh, who was a musician and former actor. Bobby Busioli, a former musician and pornographic actor. <laughs> uh, Mary Bruner, Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Leslie Van, ha- Van Houten. Those are like his core group. That's like the inner circle. Yeah, um, everyone else comes and goes, yeah? If I... Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. There, there's a lot of in and out. Uh, see what I did there? <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't even Because <laughs> of all the sex? Yeah. Um, yeah, so supervised by his parole officer, Manson grew his family through drug use and prostitution uh, without much interference from the authorities. Um, he was a successful pimp. Yeah, <laughs> it got to the point where, like... Just like a pimp named Slickback. He was a very successful pimp. He, he attempted, he was arrested for attempting to prevent the arrest of one of his followers during this time. And instead of being sent back to prison, the charge just kind of got... Swept under the rug. Yeah. At this point in time, he's fully a government operative. Kind of unawares. But <laughs> His parole officer is just like, look. You work for us I'm now. studying him. I'm feeding him this acid, and we're studying him. And they're just like, the fuck? This is some CIA shit. Just let it be. So, um, in 68, when he's leaving San Francisco with his group, uh, his bus crashes into a ditch. And... Uh, the police later found them all, found Manson and Manson's newborn <coughs> baby. They're all just, like, in the bus, sleeping naked. Um, After a long night of orgies. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure not the baby. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. The baby was probably just naked because it was they were hippies, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he started, like, getting kind of fixated on the ideas of this imminent apocalyptic idea yeah. right, going on, right? Sounds um, like what is it? Um, what's the branch of Christians that are like that? All of them, <laughs> but also the Seventh Day Adventists. That's what it is, Seventh Day Adventists. But all of them believe there's like an impending apocalypse. Right? Yeah. Um, but no, uh, he had he started to get this idea that there was this race war coming, which during the time the late sixties, you could see how that was. Very. It, it was something that was on the minds. You know what I mean? It, it was yeah. something that it, it was a reasonable fear, I guess, if as reasonable as it would get. <laughs> um. And he had, you know, having grown up in the mountains of West Virginia, he had some white supremacist leanings. But he had this idea that uh, the black people in America would rise up and kill all the white people, except for Charles Manson and his family. But because he didn't believe black people would be intelligent enough to survive on his own. They'd need a white man to lead them, so they would use Manson as their leader, you know, because he was all hip. Total sense. Yeah, he was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> makes so much sense. Yeah, um, I, I, this is it's a theory that's, I think he's something he would talk about while they were all high on acid. Yeah. But I think the prosecutor in his case eventually was, he had to come up with some kind of narrative. And this one, it, it sounds like a prosecutor's idea. It doesn't really sound so much like Charles Manson's idea. I, I think some of these ideas were coming from him, but but not so much. I think just, like, just sitting there, because, like, sitting and talking with him for, like, hours and hours, just letting him go and go and go, just getting lost. Because, like, 
when he was um, in jail and stuff like that, I remember listening and they were saying, yeah, if it was just like his parole officer or whomever was there, it was fine. But the moment that they bring in like a female, he just would get so animated and would just draw them in. And it's like that's what they were studying about him. It'd be very interesting to have a conversation with him. Yeah. But he would fucking draw you in, and yeah. he'd, by the end of that conversation, you'd believe in every, believe in every fucking word that he said. Yeah. That's the scary part about him. <laughs> like this little five-two man being like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, you know, man, let me tell you about this." <laughs> Matt Smith did a great job, though. Playing Charlie Manson. They eventually settled in. Uh, the Los Angeles area of Topanga Canyon. Um, I thought I said Topanga. I was like, Boy Meets World. <laughs> uh, let's see, where was I? I don't know. Yeah, they settled in out Topanga Canyon. Um, yeah, okay, so there's some fun little, fun little facts of stuff that happened along the way. Factoids. Alright, um, there's an actor by the name of Al Lewis who had Manson babysit his children on a few occasions and described him as, quote, a nice guy when I knew him. Um, music producer Phil Kaufman introduced Manson to Universal Studios producer, producer Gary Stromberg, then working on a film adaptation of The Life of Jesus set in modern America. It featured a black Jesus and southern redneck Romans. <laughs> Whoa. I okay. hope that this movie's out there so fucking where. I yeah. Um, Stromberg actually thought that Charles made some interesting suggestions about Jesus, about what Jesus might do in the situation. Seemed to be kind of tuned into the role. He even had one of his one of his girls kiss his feet and then kissed hers in return to demonstrate the place of women at women. Um, at the beach one day, Stromberg watched while Manson preached against the materialistic outlook. Uh, when one of his listeners questioned him about the well-furnished bus, Manson tossed the keys to the doubter, who promptly drove the bus away while Manson watched, apparently unconcerned. Manson had a dynamic personality. He was able to read a person's emotional weakness and manipulate them. Um, for example, Manson tried to manipulate Danny DiCarlo, a high up in the motorcycle gang, the Straight Satans, by granting him access to the family women. He convinced DiCarlo that his large penis helped keep women in the group. So he would <laughs> keep, he would send out his little biker gang buddy to, to mess with all the girls when really, and he was making the guy think he was doing him a favor when it was really the other way around. Um, so like he he had a he had like a weird way you know that yeah. bus story is one that a lot of people don't hear a lot often but it was one of the first stories I heard about him when I started looking into who he was because I was looking into like back the first one it was one of the first found. ones that really stood out to me I'm like that's that's some pretty g shit he had this he had his bus it was tricked out right they painted it all black on the outside and then they ripped out all the seats in there and put in like this like. Like psychedelic carpet and fucking like beanbag chairs and oh, lamps. Yeah. Like it was a dope ass bus. I bet. It sounds like <laughs> a really great bus for us to make. Yeah. So we could just and he drive just, Because buses. somebody called him like, well, why do you have all this fancy ass bus shit? They just, <laughs> here, take it. And dude took the bus. 
Hanson didn't give a flat fuck. <laughs> it wasn't about the bus. It was about all the people who watched him give those keys away. I you mean, know? in my brain, right that now, bus was worth to you know that bus was worthless to him compared to the people who just became more devoted to him by watching him do that. <clears throat> you know, this is just where my brain is going. You know, in across the universe, when uh, what is it? Bono singing "I'm the Walrus." Yeah. And that whole that scene is, is from yeah, that and uh, the Merry Pranksters, who was a group similar to uh, mm-hmm. the Manson family, except they didn't do a bunch of murdering. <laughs> They'd go around just like getting everybody tripped out on acid. Yeah, murder involved. Ken Casey and the Merry Pranksters. Sounds um, a little bit boring. I was like, is that really what I'm seeing right now in my brain? Yeah. What do you know about the Beach Boys storm? The doesn't ring a bell or it doesn't sound like anything I would know. We were just singing one of their songs. I don't I definitely don't know. Um also uh Bermuda, Jamaica, ooh, I wanna take you. Da, da, da. Da, da. What is it? Uh, um <laughs> Baby, why don't we go down the coco Yeah. You don't remember that one? No you that one? <laughs> It is on a Beach Boys song. Um, Wish they all could be California. Oh, yeah. Girls. Um, yeah. Everybody it's go surfing. Surfing, surfing USA. USA. Yeah, that that was like the biggest one. That The like, Beach Boys was a, a major hit. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to compare them to something today. They transcended, like. Yeah, there's generation. nothing today that's that. except for the what's left of them. There's the, they yeah. were they weren't as big as the Beatles, or uh-huh. you know at least in the looking back now they're not as big, they weren't as big as the Beatles, but they were. Their vibe is they're is pretty very, fucking big. Is summer? They were they were like the American Beatles. Yeah, they were yeah, and they were popular for their surf style music and whatnot. Um... So, Dennis Wilson was one of the members of the Beach Boys, okay? Okay. Um, Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys randomly picked up Patricia Krenwinkel, one of those core members, and another member, Ella Jo Bailey, while they were hitchhiking in late 68, out tripping and whatnot, and tripping on acid, and he just picks them up. Uh, they, you know, they didn't even really realize they were getting picked up by one of the Beach Boys. But, you know, yeah, this is like... I don't even know who's popular nowadays. Don't ask me. Um, I guess it would be very equivalent to um, the K-pop industry. <sighs> no. As far as a boy band-esque sound that's out now, uh, there's... I don't listen to that type of music. But do you listen to K-pop? Every once in a while. So then you do listen to boy bands, and you listen to girl bands. But there's there's not just that the poppy stuff. There's different metals. There's like all that too. Even with J-pop. So imagine dragons. They would be. I know that they would. It would be like one of the singers from Imagine Dragons picking up these girls on the side. Or of okay. Yeah. Or yeah. Or maybe Pan Fallout Boy. Those ones. Yeah, I couldn't think of modern <laughs> bands at all. 
And oh. so she threw in fucking K-pop, and I'm like, no, music people listen to on this side hemisphere. Jesus. <laughs> I was thinking broad spectrum. I needed no. it to be honed down. I, was, I misunderstood the assignment. I misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, people actually listen to I listen to them. Even I, watch, even I only look at BTS because they're... They'd be they'd look good in my basement. I just listened to Sugar's <laughs> new album. It is fantastic. I love it. I just listened. It's so good. So we're all ignoring the basement comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I fully, I know. So he takes them back to his to his house for a few hours. Um, the next morning, he he goes out, comes back later on in the morning from this like night recording session while he left the girls at the house, yeah. right? While he's been gone, Manson has moved the entire family into Dennis Wilson's home. He he leaves these two girls passed out drunk in his house, leaves for like five or six hours, comes back, Manson opens the door. <laughs> um, yeah, Manson meets him at the driveway. Uh, Wilson asks him, like, who the hell are you? Are you trying to hurt me? Manson, Manson assured him he had no intent and began kissing Dennis Wilson's feet. Lean back to that Jesus thing, right? Now, ever since he hung out with that guy who was making that Black Jesus movie, he's going around carrying that Jesus thing with him. Yeah. It, from now on, becomes kind of a part of the scene around him. It is him now. Yeah. Um, inside the house, <laughs> Wilson discovered 12 strangers, mostly <laughs> women. Uh, the account given in Manson in his own words, which is a really good book, if you really want to learn more about Manson. Um, is that Manson first met Wilson at a friend's house where Manson had gone to get marijuana. Manson claimed that he met Wilson and gave him his Sunset Boulevard address and invited him to stop by when he came to Los Angeles. Um, Wilson said in 68 Mirror article when he mentioned the Beach Boys' involvement with this um, Maharashi Mahesh Yogi. He was this... He was really influential in, like, the big stars of the 60s. Um, the Beatles started changing their sound to make it sound more like Hindu and whatnot. And do, there was, like, meditation became a thing, mostly because of this guy. Um, like, me- meditation was already a thing, but I knew it became what you meant. a thing I, in I knew modern what you culture. Meant, Dad. It became... <laughs> I knew what you meant. Um, it became more fad-esque. Yeah. And they we tried to sell it. When they introduced him to this group of strange women, they told they they had told Maharesh Yogi that they too had a guru, a guy named Charlie. So he's already like being talked about in that sense. Yeah, and you'll see a lot of um, there's like a lot of reports of people like he was all over Hollywood. He was just one there. of the, he was just there though, right? He would insert himself in he had. He, had fr- he rubbed elbows with a lot of, like, major people. Major people. Um, people, apparently, that I only care about anymore. Because nobody knows who the Beach Boys are. Do you know who Phil Spector is? No. <laughs> is it going to smoke your vape? If you show these people, I know them. So, Phil Spector... He ended up killing his wife, but <laughs> so great fast. He was a he was a producer, and he produced like everybody's shit. 
like all the hit albums from like the 60s to fucking forever <laughs> until he went to prison I think like the the biggest albums of all time probably had him producing it like Phil Spector was was the guy and he hung out with him he hung out with Charlie in fact <clears throat> this whole time Charlie this whole time is trying to get uh, a record made right he's trying to get he's trying to hit it big and become a rock star and he's he, like I said he's got a talent very similar to Bob Dylan like the the a lot of the folk singers of the time already sounded like Charles Manson, um, so he had actually a good shot of doing it. He even had they even had fucking Phil Spector come out there apparently, and he was like, "No, nah, like this will it'll never work." Like he he's just too old because Charlie was nervous, right? Because when he was like chilling, like you could there's there's two two albums of his that are out there that were done during these days. One of them is uh, Lie, Love, and the Terror Cult. And that's where, like, our intro songs, most of the music I get of his comes from that album. Okay. There's also another recording called the, um, I think it's just called the Family Recordings. And it was done by uh, Terry Melcher, and, um, who was another producer like Phil Spector. I think Terry Melcher was actually the Beach Boys producer. And Phil Spector out there at the ranch trying to get, trying to record Charlie. But you could hear him, he would, like, he was real nervous. And it would throw him into like these temper tantrum rages, and he 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 never got anything done. Like it it, it the it the the song always is uh, a never say never to always. The version of it that's on the the family recordings album is even creepier than the one I use. That's impossible. <laughs> it can't get creepier. He is singing in it with oh. the girls, <laughs> and he's he's a little angry. And you can kind of hear it, but he's trying to sound happy. <laughs> and you can hear almost the terror in the girls. Is in the, and the reason I chose not to use it is because I don't want to post a recording. When they were just recording for fun, when they were laid back, that's one. That's fine. But when they sound like they're actively being abused... <laughs> I'm not going to use that for the intro. Yeah. <laughs> I need to find that later. Yeah, I'll, well, it's in yeah, the, the family recordings. I'll, I'll find them for you. Um, uh, or is it family sessions? I, I can't so remember. It has the word family in it. It does. It does. <laughs> family uh, A lot of people call it his white album. Because he, he got obsessed with the Beatles' white album. Um, for no particular reason. Just because? He felt like... I think he was starting to go a little bit schizophrenic at this time. Mm. Um, he started feeling like they were coding messages, like the Beatles were coding messages to him. He saw that he thought that um, the four horsemen described in the Book of Revelation, the yeah. four horsemen apocalypse. He thought that was the Beatles, and that the, that's a jump. And that the, that's quite the, the 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 horsemen and the, they have like these breastplates that are described in the Bible. He interpreted that as they're like their guitars. And that's how, like, and I, I mean. Yeah, no, to be fair, like, yeah. You know, you're interpreting nonsense anyway when you start yeah. talking about revelation. Like, like a sign guy. <laughs> I don't know what I missed. Jeez. The guy down here at the end of the road. With all, with all oh, the here in the front of the, the neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. He's got more signs There's out there. There's more? Yeah. Oh, God. There's like six, I think. <laughs> oh, 
yeah, all right. So everybody out there at the end of our neighborhood, right there at the main road, there's this guy who lives there, and he has this huge billboard sign like out in his yard, and it's okay to have a sign in your yard, right? And usually they usually have quick slogans. <laughs> Like, you know, suck my cock, or thank you, Jesus, or vote yeah. for Dan. Shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is a goddamn novel. <laughs> like, this dude has, like, it's all over the place. And he ran out of room. It's like, you're sitting there at a stoplight, and you're trying to read this sign. And you can't, because it's, it's like a book. And, and now he's got more signs beside it. And it's just, God. And I think, like, a month or two ago, his house was in. <laughs> what was the one I read today? That I don't was, know what we read today. I can't remember. You can't, there's just too much there. <laughs> Something about death. But yeah, it's it basically it's nonsense, right? And that's that's what the Book of Revelation is. And so Charles Manson was high on acid, had a group of followers, and he started interpreting nonsense from the Book of Revelation and attaching it to the Beatles' White Album, which is actually a really does. good album. The Beatles' White Album is really good album. But it was also a very experimental album. Um, and that's kind of where a lot of people think maybe he got that from, right? Um, he got the name of the, the war that was going to happen. He called it Helter Skelter. And he got that from the Beatles song on there. Um, there he started saying that there's, there were songs on there like uh, Blackbird. What's the lyrics of Blackbird singing in the dead of night? Take your broken wings and learn to fly. Yeah, he me. thought that was a message to the black people to stand up and fight. Right, he okay. thought that the Beatles were trying to tell the black people that it's time to uh, rise up. It wasn't. No, uh, there's those songs song. about. Um, there's one song about the police. Well, uh, we call it. My, I think actually, Pig Piggies at the time was more about rich people. But um, they have a song on there. Have you seen the little piggies crawling in the dirt? You know, and life for all the little piggies is getting worse. It basically was talking about go up and start killing the rich people and what he was. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, fun. Charles Manson thought that the Beatles' White Album was the Beatles, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, telling black people of America to rise up against the white, the rich white people and kill them, and telling Charlie to take his followers down into the desert, into and and hide in a hole somewhere until it's time to come back. Gosh, All right, then. darn. Right. Drugs, man. They're, <laughs> they're fucking, great they're thing. fucking awesome. <laughs> they but are. you can't take it serious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and when you do, then be safe. <laughs> over the next few months, uh, the number of women in, in Dennis Wilson's poor house doubled, which puts them up around like 30 people. <laughs> um, he covered their costs uh, medical bills for treatment of gonorrhea, Jesus. Uh, food. Everything. Uh, the destruction of his uninsured car, which they had borrowed. Um, yeah. He, he figures they probably cost him about a hundred grand during the time they were living there. Um, he also paid for studio time to record songs written and performed by Manson, which is where we get that Lie album from. Jeez. And introduced him to business acquaintances, including Greg Jacobson, Terry Melcher, and Rudy Altabelli. Uh, the last man owned a house which he rented to Sharon Tate and her husband, director Roman Polanski. Storm, what do you know about Roman Polanski? What do you think the answer is, Dad? Fucking nothing. <laughs> exactly. I know that. Um, did you ever see Drag Me to Hell? No. 
I've shown you Roman Polanski movies. Pretty sure. Tell me the movies and I might be able to answer. He did all horror movies mostly. That um, is helpful. Give me a minute. So many Let me pull movies. it up. I mean, you have seen Let together. me pull it up. Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> no. Oh. Oh, that's my failure. As a yeah, <laughs> that is. I'm like. We are she watching hasn't Rosemary's seen this? Baby tonight before you go to bed. Okay. Um, it's about a, a woman giving the de- devil's baby. Awesome. Uh, the Ninth Gate. I've never seen that. Me and you yeah. watched that for sure. Johnny Depp with that book about the devil. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was seen that, that was uh, that was him. That was pretty good. That was really good. Uh, Let's see what else. What else you got? I know I've seen Rosemary's Baby a couple times. He did Macbeth. Which which Macbeth? Uh, from seventy one. I uh, have to see the cast list. I can't. I don't remember. He did Knife in the Water from '62. One of the first. It, that's one of the first psychological horror movies. Um, I've never seen that. It's it's old. It's 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 a weird one. He did The Pianist. I love The Pianist. That was such a good movie. So he he he's a very accomplished director. As far as like his movies that he's made, I don't know why Drag Me to Hell ain't on there. I've never seen any of those that you just list. The pianist. I when I was in a film class, was it my film class? No, it was my music theory class. Like one of the pieces I wrote a um, a paper on. Dad's going down a rabbit hole now. I'm. I'm I thought he did Drag Me to Hell. If not, maybe um, it's just because it was done like his. Oh no, it's some other person. All right. Um. Anyhow. Anywho. Roman Polanski. Uh, he became also became famous for some pedophile shit. Um, yes. Did you just say nice? <laughs> I said yes. Oh. Okay. I thought you said nice. I was so concerned. <laughs> um. Yeah. He got charged a few times. He's been charged a few times for it. All the way back to the seventies. Um, hey. yeah, 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 it was like when you thought I said, when I thought you said, oh, just something about mayonnaise, for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. reference, I said old man knees, not mayonnaise, not old oh mayonnaise. yeah, I was like, are you going to feed him mayonnaise, what the old mayonnaise? <laughs> Old man <laughs> Um, alright, but yeah, so Roman Polanski and his wife Sharon Tate were renting a house from Terry Melcher. Right? Terry Melcher made some promises to Charlie about releasing that album. Mm-hmm. Um then what happens and it's not mentioned here on the internet, but fuck them. I know this part. What happens then is the Beach Boys release their album Pet Sounds mm-hmm. and on this album is a song called um, Never Learn Not to Love which is a almost complete they, they changed like like three or four words but it is, uh, it, it is Charles Manson's song Cease to Exist right 
with no credit to Charlie, nothing from the, they just took it, right? Terry Melcher took took uh, his song and gave it to the Beach Boys to put on their album. And they just re-recorded it, changed a couple of words because Charles ver- Charlie's version is kind of dark. <laughs> Instead of cease to are. exist, you know, uh, Charl- the Beach, which is about dying, no. the Beach Boys changed it to cease to resist. <laughs> that changed the whole <laughs> Yeah, and that's about what they changed. You know, one word. Pretty much. Maybe like one or two other, but that was the main thing. They made yeah. it less about death and more about like... Loving forever, right? It, more about like cheap back back seat back car seat sex type shit, yeah. But um, yeah. So this this happens, and Charlie finds out, and he is fucking furious. Don't blame him. Um, by this point in time, Dennis Wilson is they they've all left Dennis Wilson's house. They moved out to the Spawn Movie Ranch. Um, Spawn Movie Ranch, by the way, is where they filmed Bonanza. There's a couple of ranches out there that they use for spaghetti westerns and shit. Like yeah, that. yeah. Um, but what happens is Charlie goes to Dennis Wilson's house, and uh, Dennis Wilson comes home, finds Charlie there, just chilling in the dark, kind of by himself. Mm, yeah, that's not creepy. And Dennis, at this point in time, is terrified of Charles Manson because instead of being kind of the fun hippie guru guy he was before, he sees this basically this he's dark. There's no happiness there. And he, he gives Dennis Wilson a bullet. And he was like, I'm going to leave you here, Dennis. I want you to keep that. And someday when you're old and sitting on your porch, I want you to reach in your pocket, pull it out, pull that out and think, isn't it awfully nice that I'm still alive? <laughs> and Bye. that was actually a dig at him personally because there was a Beach Boy song, Wouldn't it be so nice if we were older? Yeah, so he was digging at him personally about their songs. He then goes to Terry Melcher's house looking for Terry. And Terry's not there. Terry's moved. He finds Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate's living there at this point. And they're like, they're like okay, well, let's just leave. So they leave. But he's, he's fucking furious. I mean, at the back of the ranch, things go into like this lockdown mode. He starts, uh, they start going out stealing doom buggies. And mountain machine guns to like dune buggies and. Like, I'd never be more scared of a five two little guy. <laughs> he gets right? dark at this point. I'd be like he terrified. goes, he goes hardcore. Um, he makes this drug deal with um, this kid. <laughs> oh God, it's playing him. Uh, I just this the guy's name. Oh God, what's his name? <laughs> he, all right. So they become involved. They get involved in this. Uh, drug deal with this guy named this drug dealer named Bernard Lots of Papa Crow. Lots of Papa. <laughs> I, keep, I forgot about how many Papa. Lots of Papa. Lots of Papa. What's the happen, Lots of Papa? The theory don't like that name either. <laughs> It'd be perfect for a bird. Um, yeah, Tex Watson basically robbed lots of Papa. Um, what'd you say? <laughs> don't just go back and listen to it in the episode. And, um, <laughs> Did you say, I heard lobbed. <laughs> robbed. That's what I was like. Robbed. Thank you. I was like, what did you say? 
That's why I was kerfuffled. <laughs> um, yeah, so it started getting, they got involved in drug dealing. Tex Watson ends up robbing this uh, drug dealer named Bernard Lots of Papa Crow. Lots of Papa allegedly responded with a threat to kill everything at the ranch, everyone at the ranch. In response, Charles Manson shot Crow on July 1st, 1969, <laughs> at Charles Manson's Hollywood apartment. Because he had an apartment he'd go do drug deals at. Yep. And also he would pimp girls out As one does. And he'd also pimp girls out of there. As one does. As one does. (laughs) (coughs) Remember, gotta have your hustles correct. Yep. Um, Manson's belief that he had killed Crow was seemingly confirmed by a news report of the discovery of the dumped body of a Black Panther in L.A. Although Lots of Papa was not a member of the Black Panthers, Charlie, being a racist, assumed he was. And uh, <laughs> expected a retaliation from the Panthers. Um, though he then turned Spawn Ranch into an <coughs> offensive camp, uh, establishing night patrols by armed guards, and he would sell everybody. He'd tell everybody that Blackie has come to try and get at the chosen ones. He's out of his mind at this point, right? He was born out of his mind. He was born out of his mind, but. This this like he's really embracing this rejection, now. this betrayal, and all the acid. It's gone to his head, right? Um, I want to be like that, but when I'm like 80 years old, <laughs> and be just taking hits and being like, yeah. So former porn star Bob, Bobby Buscioli, which we mentioned earlier, was yeah. a member of the club, right? The he was uh, connected to the Straight Satan's biker gang. So Charlie brings in more members of the Straight Satan's Biker Game to act as security, right? Um, and that that didn't, that didn't wasn't all that great, right? Um, that brought a whole new element into things. These bikers were not hippies. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. There was there was a lot more violence occurring beyond the scenes. We do, like they're still like finding what they think are grave sites all around Spawn Ranch. Okay. And a lot of it is not so much linked to Charlie as it is to the straight Satans. Um, yeah, that's a whole nother episode. And, um, let's see. Yeah, this is... This is right before the break-ins, yeah. Yeah, at this uh, throughout this whole time, Charlie's been taking his his family on these little things called creepy crawls, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Creepy crawls are awesome. I've done creepy what the crawls. Hell is a creepy crawl? You've done creepy crawls. Oh yeah, you oh, break into this? someone's house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Starting off strong. Preferably while they're asleep, right? And you rearrange their furniture, their wall paintings. Their, their jewelry, steal, they were also stealing from them. Yeah. But the biggest thing was rearranging their house. So when they woke up in the morning. <laughs> I would just move everything slightly to the point where they're like, something. That's probably yeah. how it started. And then they just started rearranging the whole house. Yeah. I like but, moved the table an inch to the left. Which, on one hand, is just fun. But what it actually is, is training. They were training them on on uh, gaining entry into homes, remaining silent, yeah, uh, moving about a house unseen, unheard, yeah. He he was training Even them by the he, neighbors and yeah. Yeah, he was training them, maybe indirectly, but I I'm not sure. Eh, 
probably directly. I, I, I think he, you know, Charlie had ideas of this revolution coming. Um, and I think with the straight Satans, is this a good point to start, stop this episode? Yeah. And the yeah. murders and the trials will be part three? Yeah. Alright. Yeah? Yeah, that sounds like yeah. a... Sound like a plan. A good place to, to swap. Well, so let's, let's talk about it. What did we learn Let's talk about some of the things. Like, what do we think so far? Storm. <laughs> Jesus. What do you know about universal string theory? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Alright, that was just unwin. That um, was unwin. <laughs> that threw me off. Actually, universal string theory means that nothing is unrelated. Everything goes through when you go through the fourth dimension. You have... What the hell is wrong with you two? How did Science. we get here? Well, all right, what do you? What questions do you have I'm about the topic, Storm? Like, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that you should make more plans with me a month ahead of time so I can get back here and we can finish this. Um, we, we might finish it tomorrow. As far as all right. Yeah. Um, it's really an I mean, interesting topic. It's an interesting topic. A little upset that, you, that I don't know half the stuff that you talked about, but... Yeah. But I'm not the one to blame fault. here. I mean, that's my own fault. And... I mean, well, you, know, you just gotta think of... Well, so the best way for me to put it to you is you gotta... Like, like I said, with Fallout Boy or something, you know, or Panic of the Disco. I listen to neither. You know, no, you don't. But, but I know both of them. You know, and they all, every, like Hollywood, they all know each other. Yeah. This guy was, wasn't was a nobody, right? Yeah. He was he was a somebody that the real somebodies all knew. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of movies now that are coming out that were, it, where it's anybody in California in the 60s. There's like some sort of connection. And I've been, you know, <laughs> the, to, to one of these people. Yeah. Um. Me and David just found one the other day. We were watching some documentary or something. And we were like, they probably hung out with one of the Manson girls. And sure enough, <laughs> they did. Um, these They were they were actually kind of a, a big deal. Um, they would live off of garbage. So they were trash pandas. They were trash pandas. <laughs> they would, uh, they, that's where the thing garbage dump comes from. This song garbage dump. They would go to these like supermarkets. And that's how he'd feed his people. But he kept them well fed. Nobody died of starvation. Um, he obviously would find ways to get them medical care. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he did. I mean, for all he took care of them. Yeah, he took really good care yeah. of them. <laughs> for pimping out his girls and all that. Like, it was he, a sur- that was a survival tactic. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't a... He didn't treat them like garbage. Everyone got drugs. Everyone got... Fed, everyone was safe. Everyone got out of the Now, there was, you, you could be a hang around, but there were requirements for being a family member, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very much cult requirements. As always. Everything you had belong, went to Charlie. Yep. Who, who would then disperse it back out. Um, <coughs> your devotion. You, were, you had to be utterly devoted to Charlie. There was like this little ritual they would do. Where they would take a knife and hold it in the other one's throat and say, would you die for me? You know? <laughs> there was... No. There, yeah. there, it wasn't just a group of hippies that got together. It was a group of There psychos. was a big part of that. Well, 
Tex it Watson. It was the land of the misfit toys. Tex Watson was Lost Boys. Peter Pan and his Lost Boys. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Did you know Captain Hook was just a lost boy who grew up? Yeah. Yeah. Did you not know that? <laughs> yeah, did, you didn't? I just knew, like, that's the whole crew and everything. I knew they were all dead. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, they were. Wait, they're all dead? Yeah. And Peter Pan is the angel of death. What the fuck? And <laughs> it comes for little children and takes them away to heaven. <laughs> and Captain Hook just tries to get the kids away from Peter so they can grow up and live their lives. You didn't know this? No, I knew. I knew. <laughs> I knew Captain Hook was the one that grew up. I just and he was yeah. trying to get the boys I just didn't know that he was dead. There's a whole dark story to it. What the hell? And the clock in the in the alligator that always that uh, tick tock tick yeah is because time was, was moving on for Hook and not for Peter. He would always hear that ticking of the clock, and it was his own death coming for him. It's a very dark metaphor. This is why we get on nice things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn you, J.M. Barry! <laughs> Anything else y'all want to ring for me today? The 60s. That's what <laughs> we're doing here. Hey, mama, hey, mama, look around. Now. I can't believe you don't know any Beach Boys songs. That's the thing that really... I can't believe you're still stuck on this. Well, I don't know how you got this far. I mean, it's in movies. Yeah. The the, the Muppets. Okay. You, you've you grown hey, up uncle. around me. We've already established that you, that you think you've shown me a lot of things that you haven't, okay? It's in so many movies. It's in so many Disney movies. Isn't it movies. nice that you're still alive? This, I, this is in... <laughs> no, it rings um, no bells. I don't think I know. This. this is in, I believe, Parent Trap. Good vibrations? Nope. It's where they get the term good vibes. You feel like a total failure, don't you? Well, guys, I um, I have failed my father. You have failed as a parent. (laughs) I have failed as a father. I um. Well, this will be the last episode of Charlie Manson's Fanny Pack. Once they continue on without me. (laughs) I don't have drama queen, drama queen. Well, guys, if you're out there and you have a child, make sure they at least know who the goddamn Beach Boys are. You know? Thank you, Storm. (sighs) You're welcome. Well, where do you, where, what's your input so far, Jessica? Um, a lot of this is uh, a refresher because I've listened to podcasts about Charlie Manson. So, but to hear it from like the stuff that you've learned to put.
put in if there's any other things that I can't remember. Like, and there's but things, you tell the story better. Like, there's, I'm, like, I'm reading, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. Just to keep the refresher. Just kind of keep refreshing what, the order of events, right? Yeah. But I, I've forgotten more about Charles Manson than most people. I could probably be a scholar on them. I, I could probably be a Charles Manson professor. Um, I've forgotten more about Charles Manson than Charles Manson never knew about himself. You've forgotten? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have forgotten more about Charles Manson than Charles Manson ever knew about himself. You never heard, you never heard anybody funny. say that? I've forgotten more about such such. No, know. that makes no damn no. sense. It means that you know so much more that you've forgotten more shit than you would know and you still know more. No ever heard that term. I'm still confused. I get it, but it's very confusing. Yeah. It makes sense. Do I come from a different fucking century? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm also from parents who are from up north. Maybe that's it. Jesus. I'm a, I'm a northerner, What's... honey. <laughs> Nobody talks at your house, so um <laughs> But no, I know a lot about Charles Manson. And there's a lot of stuff I'm skipping over and not going into great detail on because there's some things this is like, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like You can make like a tidbits episode afterwards. Yeah, I'm make sure that the main thing, like, let, I, I don't want it to get misconstrued. He was definitely a misogynist. Yeah. He was definitely a rapist. Yeah. He was definitely a murderer. He was definitely a cult leader. He was also slightly right. Just in a, a little well, bit his, He still took care of people. He took yeah. care of his people in the best way he knew how, right? Yeah. He had ta- he had been taught that care comes from institutionalized violence and control. Yeah. You know, with all his growing up in prison and whatnot, you know, the only people that ever cared about him were the goddamn prison guards. Yeah. So I mean, his 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 idea, his understanding of reality is different than mine and yours. Yeah. Right, but it doesn't excuse the things he did to his to his followers. It doesn't excuse the things that happens later. But we will definitely be getting into a discussion about whether or not um, he actually had as much to do with it as they say he did. Yes, um, like, is. I, I think he is mostly just kind of like the going with the flow of things. And he's created this insulated thing around him of people, which I do that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, look at me. I have Jessica. I have David. I've, and before I had Aaron and I had Miranda and Kyle. Like, I always insulate myself with people. And a lot of animals. And, well, not animals. That's something that's come a more recent, right? Until Scooby, I didn't want nothing to do with dogs for a long time. How dare you? I was tired of burying them. I hear chunk. I do too. I don't know where it's coming from. So, but yeah, I mean, so I I get that. He wants to be with us. I I get creating a a layer around yourself, and he used a lot more manipulative techniques than I do. Um, I just focus on people, on the people that I want to insulate around myself, and everybody else just. But, but, yes, you have me, but then you're like, I need to insulate you. And I was like, hello? (laughs) You're like, I have to keep you safe. Well, yeah. yeah. 
I'm just yeah. here. You didn't know there was so much danger. <laughs> That's literally how like it is. Like, my whole life he's been like that. What? That's literally how it is, 100% Constantly of Constantly danger type thing. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere we go. This is why I just don't Just wait till we go to the concert, kid. I have, I have looked I into the possibility of I'm leashes. I'm not ready yet. Oh, God, no. Don't leash oh, me. Oh. Because <laughs> no. I will walk off. Both of you. <laughs> no. As long as we stay together, we're fine. Ooh. Yeah, we. I could like bind your hands together. <laughs> we just just hold hands the whole time. You're like, this is my buddy. Because <laughs> we'll wander off together. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier for me to find two people than one. Than two people in opposite directions. <laughs> I. Can't. I want to have fun at this concert. <laughs> okay, I want to have fun seeing Rob Zombie. Damn it. Yeah, I'm excited though. I am too. <laughs> People see me tied to a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> they might not ask if it's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> That's the fucked up part. It's it true. <laughs> See? Already I'm prepared for the danger! <laughs> God, where did I get that from? I don't know, but I love it! Was it the Croods? I don't know! Mm-hmm. Why'd you point at me? Because me and you watched the Croods together. I've never seen it. You've seen the Croods. I've seen the Croods. Okay. I'm like, I have it. Really? Yeah. Why are you both looking at me? We're gonna have to watch that. You would really like the Croods. Yeah. Her not saying the Croods is like you not seeing Coraline until last year. I didn't have any friends that watched it. Until you. And me. Yeah, we. I own it on DVD. I don't know. Yeah, I have a DVD player now. I know, but still. It's the same thing with Devil's Carnival. I really want to watch that on acid. Devil's Carnival. I want to watch The Wall on acid. I watch I Devil's can't. Carnival with you on acid if you watch The Wall with me on acid. I I don't know if that's... I have to see what's there when I am sober. So I know what I'm getting to in, like getting into when I'm tripping. Because if it's what I think it is, then I don't know if I'll actually be able to do it. Because I'm still kind of terrified of... Who like is sniffing song, me? Oh, okay. The song, the wall, I don't like it. If you, if you skip like the meat grinder, which is fairly early I don't, on. What? In the, yeah, I don't like the There's faces. a scene in Pink Floyd, The Wall, which is done cartoon, and it's like a mix, actually. But you see these kids with these like weird masks on, it's like the these whole, faceless it's masks. The whole thing. It's, and they're marching like on this, they're at school, but the school is really just like marching them on this conveyor belt to this meat grinder, where they're getting no, turned out to hamburgers. Like, what the hell? It's symbolism about how the education system just turns our Speaking kids into... Speaking weird into... things, this is what I saw Finn watching earlier today. Happy tree friends. Yes. I'll high five you. Yeah, I was going to say, come on, Storm. I love happy tree friends. He's fine. And? He's turning He's... violent enough. That's <sighs> fine. No, it's not fine. Yes, he decides his agreement gets turned into a WWE wrestling match in my kitchen. I wouldn't let him watch wrestling, but... He doesn't even watch wrestling. <laughs> oh, okay, then. he does this. Well, that's fine, then. <laughs> I'm okay with him watching fake violence. 
but not fake people doing real violence. <laughs> it's, it's real people doing fake violence. No, I think I was right. <laughs> I could point out some dead ones who would disagree about how, how nonviolent it is. <laughs> There's that one guy who killed his entire family who was a wrestler. I don't know these things. God, what was his name? They did a Necronomapod about him. They did. But I don't know. Chris Jericho, right? I don't know. You have a Google machines in front of you. Oh, you have one. Well, it's not playing a movie now. No, my Throw something at you. Wrestler. Who killed his whole family. On a Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock. It was something like that, yeah. <laughs> you sure you don't know who Chris Benoit. Oh, yeah, balls. <laughs> yep. Killed his wife in the bonus room of their house, which was being used as an office. Her limbs were bound with her arms being strained with coax cables and her feet duct taped together. Alright. Um, murdered his seven-year-old son, Daniel, and then hung himself. And if I remember correctly, he hung himself, like, using the fucking, his weightlifting thing. He, like, did something with that to, to hang himself. I could see how that would work. Great, because I can't. Yeah, he used his lat pull-down machine to hang himself. He placed Bibles near the sun, so, near the bodies of his wife and son. Like he had gone, he had like snapped, right? Mm. On a Sunday afternoon at like five. In the golden afternoon. <laughs> yeah, so fake from. people, real violence. I don't know. Alice in Wonderland. The song's called Golden Afternoon when she's singing with the flowers. Wouldn't it be so nice if we were older? Well, guys, uh, that is our part two on Charlie. Um, we've covered. We're up at. We're up at it though. We're up against it. Things are going down. Um, actually, both movies that I've seen about Helter Skelter and the murders start right where we're leaving off. Wait, there are movies. Oh yeah, a really good one at that. I didn't know. Helter, the 2004 Helter Skelter was fucking great. Alrighty. And there's been others. There's like another one that I wanted to watch, but Jessica wouldn't watch it with me, so I didn't watch it. Now, I, now I don't yeah. remember what it was called, so it's gone forever. <laughs> That's why I Thanks. add things to my list. Thanks, Jessica. You're welcome. You can just like put a sticky note somewhere that you'll find in like five years. Sorry that I didn't use my own brain cells to add them to my lists. Yeah. It is. It, yeah. Sorry. Good. I probably wasn't the one that had the controller at that point. Though. I'm sure you were not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wonder whose profile we were under. It was probably, it, 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 I, it was probably on like, um, uh, Tubi or something yeah. that I can't make a profile for. That you just... So there wasn't an option. Well, guys. Yep. Tune in next time where we'll finally finish Charlie. Hopefully it won't be four months. <laughs> no, it'll. We're, we're recording it tomorrow. Okay. What are we supposed to be watching tonight? I don't know. Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby. That's our horror movie for the night. Yippee. All right, guys. So uh, all y'all out there, you go and watch Rosemary's Baby now and... 
Try not to start any sex cults. But if you do, you can reach out to me at stonerspointpod at gmail.com. And uh, just me. Yeah, just him. <laughs> not my 13-year-old daughter. Or your wife. Or my, Well, I mean, not my 13-year-old daughter. <laughs> oh, I love making her uncomfortable. It's great. Uh... Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>